know, the average attendance of a wedding at, at the farm is going to be 130, 150 guests, something like that. So all of those guests, if they have a great experience, walk away as ambassadors for your property saying, hey, this was, you know, this place is awesome. You know, their, their niece gets engaged or whatever, and, and they tell them, hey, you got to check out Big Spring. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is farmer, entrepreneur, and wedding venue owner, Buddy Powers. Buddy and his wife, Jill, own Big Spring Farm, a wedding venue in Lexington, Virginia, that hosts over 50 events a year and has been featured in places like The Knot and Style Me Pretty. Today, Buddy is chatting with us about starting and running a wedding venue, and he's also sharing a little bit about how other vendors can serve venues well. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, Buddy. I am so excited to have you here today um, for a number of reasons. But Thanks today, for having me. Yeah, today we get to talk about uh, how to start a wedding venue. And there's just not a ton of information out there about how to start a wedding venue, but you've been putting together resources um, based on the questions that people have been asking you. And um, you know, from, from what we've talked about, uh, you get emails right all the time from people that are just interested in, in what are the, even the first steps they need to take. Um, and I think yeah. that there's, you know, I think that that information is going to be super valuable because unlike uh, starting a photography business, like the photography equipment is super expensive, but you can start out with a camera that might be a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, which again, that's an investment. Right. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to start a wedding venue, you're looking at, you know, probably tens of thousands of dollars in startup costs. So I'm excited oh, yeah. to talk to you a little bit more about that. And I'm excited for people just to hear um, from your perspective, you know, about owning a venue, some of the issues that maybe you have to uh, put up with and how people can build better relationships with venue owners and coordinators, because I know that can go a long way in getting great high quality referrals for your business. Yeah. And, but before we get into all that, one thing that we like to do uh, as we get started with the interview is talk about your background and how you even got into owning a wedding venue. And your story is so interesting because you started out actually farming, right? Yeah. So um, I started out uh, farming before actually my wife and I were married. I started a farm in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, um, raising livestock out on pasture. So I was working from before dawn till after dusk, you know, seven days a week. And, um, yeah, that's, it's a unique place, I guess, to come from, to go from that to starting a wedding venue. But, um, but yeah, so, so, uh, kind of where that, that came from was my wife and I got married at our first farm and had our reception right in our backyard. Um, and you know, to this day, people still talk about what a great setting that was for, uh, for a wedding. And we, uh, you know, from our wedding day on kind of had this dream of starting a venue 
Um, and all the while, uh, Jill had started her wedding photography business and we've, we're going on eight years now as wedding photographers as well. Um, and, and so that was cool because as that business grew, we were shooting, um, weddings all over the place and, uh, each one was its own, uh, little marketing or, uh, or, or sorry, not marketing research, um, you know, campaign for us to learn from how each venue did things and the things we liked, the things we didn't like. Um, and then, so when we found big spring, all of that sort of came together. Uh, even the farming side of things, uh, came together to make the the venue what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, I think, um, there's probably not, I would assume a lot of venue owners that first started out in the wedding industry in another, you know, occupation doing photography first. So I'm just, you probably picked up a ton there that you learned and were able to utilize as you started your wedding venue. But you know, how I want to know, how do you get started in farming? Like, is this something you studied in college and then got into, or, um, was this, you know, just something you sort of randomly got into after college? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I um, so I grew up in the suburbs outside of D.C. and uh, you know loved growing up in Northern Virginia. Very uh, you know cosmopolitan place. Very cool place to grow up. Not exactly the best place to start if you want to become a farmer. Um, <laughs> but uh, certainly growing up in a more urban environment kind of propelled me towards a uh, wanting to have a more rural agrarian lifestyle. And so after college, I got an internship with Polyface Farm, and they're one of the foremost sustainable farms um, in the world, actually. The, the guy that founded it is TED Talks and speaks all over the place, and um, so I learned farming from them. And the cool thing about their style of farming is it's very, very hands-on. It's not mechanically driven or fossil fuel driven. It's, um, it's a great thing for a young person to get into because you use your, uh, you know, your, uh, um, ability to do a lot of work as a young person, you know, physical labor as a young person and capitalize on that by creating a higher quality product, um, that you control from, you know, from chick to chicken in, in the grocery store. And so anyway, um, so that's kind of how I got started. Um, and I've always loved being outside and working on the land. Um, and yeah, so the that, that's kind of where that came from. <laughs> yeah, and so for people who uh, people might know of Polyface, right? Because Polyface was part of a, a documentary called Food Inc., right? Didn't they? Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so if you've if you've seen the documentary Food Inc., and I know that's a, a pretty popular documentary, um, you actually saw a little bit of of Polyface Farm. So you have so you're so when you how did you come across Big Spring? So Big Springs a, a wedding venue in Lexington, and Yep. Lexington is, it's, I mean, it's definitely populated. There's two uh, big schools there, uh, Washington and Lee and VMI. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily as populated as like a Richmond or a DC. So what went into right. um, moving into Big Spring and choosing that? Like, did you know when you got into Big Spring um, that you were going to start a wedding venue there? Or did you think, oh, this is, this is a great place to farm? Yeah, so uh, it, it was kind of both of those things. Um, you know, honestly, it was more, we were more thinking, oh, this will be a great place to farm. And secondarily, wow, we can, um, you know, make our dream reality to turn part of the property into a wedding venue. As the years have gone by, that's all kind of evolved. And we're, we still farm, um, but we're much more like venue focused just because of how much that side or that business has grown. Um, but yeah. I would say in terms of choosing Big Spring, 
there were a lot of factors that sort of came together to make it the right decision for us. Um, and this is something that uh, Joel Salatin, the founder of Polyface, talks about a lot. But the idea that everybody has a leg up um, and, you know, that looks different for everybody. So, you know, for you, Davey, it might be your uh, stunning good looks or, you know. <laughs> Why, thank um, you. Or uh, for some... Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Chris that uh, as soon as this interview is over, um, that so I'm gonna remind her of that. Yeah, make sure she knows I, I said. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, or you know, it could be that you're a great people person, and or it could be whatever. There's all different. You know, for Joel in his case, his uh, for starting Polyface, his parents worked in town, worked typical nine to five jobs, and paid for the farm the land, you know, that he turned into this world-renowned sustainable farm. So um, with Big Spring, it was a lot of factors, and one of them was uh, kind of the leg up we had with the, the previous owners uh, being really accommodating to our vision for the property. Um, so we actually got to uh, lease the property initially and turn it into a wedding venue and a working farm, and that gave us the runway to see, will this idea work, um, and uh, and. It was a great arrangement for both parties because we got to test that idea. They, uh, the, it was in our agreement that we had the option to purchase the property at the end of the lease, and so um, that all worked out. Uh, you know, that all worked out, and here we are uh, several years later. So, so I say I'd say like it's uh, it's kind of cool to think of back about. I guess because you can always think about all the things that could go wrong and all the things you don't have when you're starting any business, mm -hmm. but. Um, you know, we, with Big Spring, we were able to kind of play off our strengths being in the wedding industry. Um, my experience with working on the land and just creating a beautiful landscape. Um, and then also timing with the previous owners of this property to um, launch the venue and give us that runway to do it. So, yeah. So yeah. And Lexington, you're right, it's a small town. I mean, it's not, it's not like we're, we're 10 minutes from a, a million plus people, but with, especially with the wedding venue um, that's so place dependent, if you just need to be close enough, you don't have mm -hmm. to be right there. If your property is good enough, if your venue uh, is has you know if you have the right reach and your venue is is desirable enough, then you don't have to be right there. You can you just need to be within reach. And that's it's so interesting to hear you talk about that um, about you know thinking about all of the different things that could go wrong, because when you look at Big Spring now and all the work that you put into it, especially it's beautiful. You know, and I think that uh, it's really easy for somebody looking at it right now, especially with some of the plans you have coming up for the venue to say, oh, yeah, of course this thing was going to work. But it wasn't always like right, that. You know, right. it does. It, it didn't look like it does today back when you moved on to the farm. No. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you how did you even decide? OK, I mean, what were you looking for in a potential piece of property so that you could start this wedding venue? Um. So a couple of things that we were looking for, um, and these are pretty, pretty straightforward, but things that we kind of gleaned from shooting weddings were we wanted something about the property that was unique. So uh, something that like when you saw it, you thought like, wow, that's that property. Um, and pretty much every great venue has that where you see that one, you know, that one mountain view or that, that one really epic ceremony site or whatever it is, that really cool building that they have. And you know right away, oh, that's that venue. So we were looking for that. Um, at Big Spring, I think it has a couple of those things. But the biggest one is the namesake. There's a, a 
lake at the center of the property that's spring fed by one of the largest natural springs in Virginia. So that was a really cool, unique factor. Um, beyond that, we were looking for uh, a good ceremony site, um, a good you know venue building site, um, and then kind of getting into some of the logistics, like where would our entrance be, where would parking be, um, how is that going to affect guest experience? You know, we want to have we want to be able to have 300 people there, but we want, don't want to have 300 cars in the background of sure. all of our pictures. Because I'm sure you know, <laughs> yeah, you shot at places where you're thinking, why did they put the parking lot right there? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we were looking for all that, and, and it's um, it's crazy because at Big Spring, you know, there's no perfect property, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it checked a lot of those boxes for us. Um, and uh, lastly, another thing we were looking for was just proximity to. Um, uh, to make events there easy. So we didn't want a place that was 45 minutes from a hotel mm-hmm. or, um, you know, three hours from the airport or something crazy. So we've got downtown Lexington, which is only five miles away. There's a bunch of great hotels, restaurants, coffee shops, breweries there. Um, we've got 14 chain hotels, five miles the other direction off 81 because of the colleges. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got a lot of great local vendors. We, we quickly found as we looked into it, wow, this location um, is really ideal for hosting an event. So yeah, that's that's kind of all that came together at Big Spring. Yeah, and I guess that I guess that is the beauty of Lexington, right? Is because when you're at Big Spring Farm, you feel like you're out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like you got this crazy landscape all to yourself. But at the same time, you know, for a guest to get back to where they're staying, it really is a five minute drive uh, down the road. And I, and yep. I, that probably makes it easy yep. too for other vendors um, to work there, you know, because you probably work with a lot of other Lexington venues or vendors, right? Yep. Yeah, so, absolutely. When you were getting started with Big Spring, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced, maybe that you didn't expect to face? Um, going into the project? Um, oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so one of the biggest challenges we faced with the venue was the zoning for the actual uh, event space. And um, zoning's different, you know, with every town, county, city. So this is one of those things, if you're looking at starting a wedding venue, um, you've got you've to look into. So in our case, there was nothing in the zoning that allowed you to be a working farm and a wedding venue. You could be a brewery or a winery or a bed and breakfast or a number of things and have events, but you couldn't be a working farm and have events. So uh, we had to propose an amendment to the zoning and then file. For, and once that was approved, we had to file for a permit under that new zoning law. And, uh, and that was, believe it or not, a pretty long process um, just to get that through the local governmental side of things um and did you do but yeah, that yeah but we persevered we got did you do that uh, before you started Sorry, the, the lease did you did you before you even took the lease did you decide to go through that process or was this after you had already gotten into the lease this is after we were already into the lease and you know that's why we we definitely um learned a lot from our experience and we were fortunate because things like this zoning law we were able to work out but that could have been a non-starter you know Mm -hmm. if i was doing it again uh to do it you know much more responsibly you'd you'd make sure that there was room in your zoning to be able to do that business but frankly we we were so you know new to everything that we kind of just thought oh we'll just get a 
uh, a business license and we'll we'll open up shop kind of thing. And it turned out being a little more complicated. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the things that probably I assume that there's a, anybody who's starting a venue has gone through some sort of experience like this. And I think that it's a you know, going back to those limited resources out there, how easy is it to find that kind of information about zoning online? Or do you really need to like go and connect with somebody? Like where would you even start trying to research that kind of information? Oh my goodness. It's kind of like if you've ever tried to read the IRS uh, tax code, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's borderline uh, a futile effort, you know, but um, yeah, you can read most counties and cities. You can look up the zoning and try to read it, but the and of course you can, you might be able to find what you're looking for, but the best thing to do would be to call the economic development office and say, Hey, I'm curious about if I wanted to open a event venue in this, you know, locale, um, what's, what would that look like from a zoning perspective? What would your concerns be? Um, and I've actually helped uh, a few people with that and kind of navigating, um, the best way to do that and not, uh, you know, basically get like a, a some some surface information without sort of tipping your hand to your whole plan and and uh you know getting getting people worried uh, you know like sometimes if you say oh we have this huge vision for this and that and that you can invite all this uh scrutiny so you kind of just want to say hey wh what can we do to start uh hosting weddings at our property and kind of ease into it from there with your economic development officer and they're going to be supportive and help you look up uh what zone you're going to need to adhere to do you, do you feel like they were supportive, like they weren't, you know, kind of your stereotypical bureaucratic, you know, <laughs> troll who's just like constantly trying to poke holes <laughs> in what you're doing? Do you feel like in general they're they're mostly helpful? Yeah, I think so. You know, especially um, like starting a venue in a rural place, it's great because it brings business to that place. And mm -hmm. generally speaking, like a rural county is going to want uh, – they're going to want responsible business to be happening there. So um, certainly our economic development guy, and I've talked to several, several others in several other counties for um, people that I've done coaching with. And um, they're, they're generally very helpful because their job is to get businesses to their, to their area. So, so yeah, that, that said, there's other people in the government sphere, you know, that may not be as supportive, that may be more critical and, uh, and all that. But, Anyway, that's um, that, that certainly just getting your questions answered. You can do that without having to worry about a major kickback. <laughs> sure. So you get through this process, and I'm sure that process on some level looks a little bit different depending on on where you are. Um, but you get through yeah. this process of making sure that the zoning's good. You you get this amendment placed, uh, and so now you have uh, Big Spring Farm. Like, what are the next steps that you had to take in order to have a, a venue that was that was up and running? Um, so the next step was, again, this is kind of getting into the, um, just sort of the specifics that can be different property to property. But for us, we had to have a commercial entrance installed to our property, um, because the county required that of, of our event venue once it was approved. So we had to work with the Virginia department of transportation and have a entrance engineered and designed. Luckily we have a good friend who is a, uh, a road engineer, Ryan Aikens, a mutual friend that. Um, came out to the farm years ago and helped us draw up the whole plan and uh, he was awesome. So so yeah, we built a commercial entrance, we built a road into the property. Um, you know, you kind of have to, you have to look at it. it. It helps having 
shot weddings and being able to envision how an event like this goes. But you have to sort of look at it bird's eye view and say, okay, if our entrance is here, our venue's here, and we want to protect this viewscape, where do we want to tuck the parking? And from there, we just kind of put together the whole vision for how it was logistically going to work, you know, to have an event there. Um, and filled in the gaps. And I think this is a perfect example of one of those things where if, you, if you've if you never done this before, um, it's just something that you might not think of because you can't just put an entrance anywhere, right? Like VDOT's going to come along <laughs> yeah, and say, yeah, exactly. here are the places you can put an entrance. So you might, you know, think in your head, oh, I'm going to map out this perfect, um, you know, this, I'm going to have this perfect map of my venue and this is where the ceremony site's going to be. And this is where the venue's going to be. And then VDOT could come along or, you know, whatever state it is that you're working with and say, no, your, your entrance can't go here. And then they slap it maybe right behind your ceremony site or something like that. So this is the kind of thing I think just having the experience of having gone through it before is, uh, so helpful. So absolutely. You get through you get through this process. You know some of this uh, some of the stuff that you have to work out with uh, a county or with um, VDOT. After that, uh, at what point did you have a, a venue that was ready to go where you could start marketing to the people? Um, pretty early on, because we were fortunate in that being photographers, we were able to get we were able to take our own pictures of the property to have some promotional material even before we had a wedding there. Um, and then this is something I talk uh, to people that want to start a venue, something I tell them that I, I think was instrumental for our success early on, was we were pretty uh, selective with the first year's worth of weddings that we had. Um, and in that sense, we weren't turning a ton of people away, but we were really trying to make sure the weddings that we did have were the kind of clients that we wanted to attract in the future. Um, so, you know, for us, that looked like uh, our very first wedding was uh, a mutual friend of ours, again, Caitlin um, Alsup, and it was her younger sister's wedding. Um, and so we knew that would be a great wedding. We were close friends with, with everyone involved, and um, we knew it would be a great, we could get great images from it, and that that would be the kind of wedding that we'd want to have going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fortunate in that that wedding ended up getting published in the Knot magazine, and uh, on all on all the blogs and stuff, so on their blog and stuff, so it was a good um, launch point for us that worked out better than than we could have hoped. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely important, you know, and that was key for us getting started. Yeah, just being so. So, uh, what were some of the things that you were looking at? Was it mostly the other vendors that they were working with, or just getting a feel for the couple? Like, how'd you go about navigating? Okay, this is the right wedding for our space. Yeah, um, I would. Uh, the the two things would be me just meeting with the couple and getting to hear their vision for the day, make sure that it fit with the property and was doable, um, mm-hmm. especially starting out. You know, I mean, you always want to under promise and over deliver. Um, but that's even more true when you're just getting going and you're sure. gauging your own capabilities. So, so that was a big part of it. And yeah, secondarily, um, making sure that we were, uh, working with vendors that were the kind of vendors, again, that you want working at your venue. So we were fortunate early on to have friends in the photography industry that shot, that were big names that shot at the property, um, some great videographers, great planners. Uh, um, and one of the other ways we cultivated that beyond just having relationships that we um, that we that were existing in the industry was also reaching out to people um, and saying, hey, we've got, got this property available. You know, I remember emailing um 
all the all the coordinators I could find in Charlottesville, all the wedding coordinators, and saying, "Hey, we're opening this venue. We'd love to have you out to see the property. Um, we'd love to work with you this year." And uh, you know, and all these coordinators were ones that we, of course, wanted to work at the farm, and uh, and it helped because we had we had weddings from them that year all of a sudden, and and it grew from there. So our strategy was definitely relationally based <clears throat> versus. Uh, spending a bunch of money to do your typical marketing um, avenues. Sure, like billboards or something, you know, something like that or crazy yeah. features and, yeah, you know, well, like a paid advertising in a magazine. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and what's what's interesting about that is it's uh, it, it, in that regard, it's very much similar to how you would start your wedding photography business or your planning uh, business or, uh, you know, whatever, is that relationships do play such a key, I think, early on in getting a business started and just um, – for for some people stepping out of their comfort zone and trying to build those relationships because I think sometimes we build something and uh, yeah. we just kind of hope that people stumble upon it and that's that's never really yeah. uh, the case. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, and that's just <laughs> that's only true for Field of Dreams. You know, that's that's it. That's the only place that yeah, I think exactly. is uh, is true. <laughs> so, you know, if we can just recap here, if if somebody is interested in starting a venue. What what are the first couple steps uh, they should take? Like, what would you tell them? You need to go do these these uh, couple things. Um, yeah. So, the first thing I would say this kind of goes really for any um, entrepreneurial thing. It's not necessarily venue specific, but um, I would say you need to have a uh, defined vision for the venue, um, and that's something that we had. You know, as we were looking for a property, you know, we didn't say uh, obviously. It, it's informed by the properties you look at and stuff, um, outside factors. We didn't say we had to have a lake or we had to have this type of barn or something, but, uh, basically defining your vision so that you, you, um, you know what, what your, your ballpark you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's good to have that vision to refer back to as your business grows because you can say, okay, what part of that are we still doing or what part of that has changed? And now we're adding, you know, other things and, um, and so that couldn't be more true for Big Spring. So we, so I tell everybody, the first place to start is defining your vision for the venue. Um, you know, is it going to be a barn venue? Is it going to be uh, in the city, an old warehouse that you're going to redo? Or um, having that defined, and again, that that's can work for any business. You want to have a clear vision for uh, what you're doing, and, and then the why. And then um, the s- second thing is some of your your first tier logistics and we kind of touched on one of them already checking with um zoning to make sure that your vision is doable in that place because um sadly there's there's definitely venues uh, we just um i just heard about one uh here in virginia that they had the couple bought this property they had this vision for it to be a venue and they never took the time to look into the zoning to see what it was going to require of them Mm -hmm. and and by the time they got to the approval process for starting their venue, it was they were trying to force the issue, but it was it was really a non-starter. There was no way yeah. to do a venue at that place, that particular place. So that's a key. Um, you know, for some people, they already own a property that they're trying to turn into a venue, and um, so you're going to potentially have limitations there. But uh, um, but anyway, a, a, as as you're looking for a property, that's the biggest thing. You're looking to make sure your vision is actually doable there. Um, so those, I would say, are the first two steps towards uh, starting a venue. Yeah. 
And um, what do you, I mean, and you just, you talked about this a, a little bit just a second ago, but what are the typical mistakes you see people make when they try to start a venue? Um, logistics, you know, those first tier log- logistics are probably one of those things, just not checking into zoning. And again, that, that kind of stuff, I feel like can be even more complicated than, um, than it sounds. And it sounds pretty complicated, but we yeah. have a wedding venue in our neighborhood uh, that's at the end of uh, our neighborhood. It's on a marina. And because you have to go through the neighborhood to get to it, they had to work out with a separate agreement yep. with the neighborhood. So even though they're zoned to do what they're doing, it, it's uh-huh. not as simple as that. They had to actually work out an agreement with the neighborhood. Yep. And so anytime you have to work out a agreement with a group of people, that kind of stuff probably gets uh, <laughs> to be a headache. But beyond that, what are some yeah. of the things that you see um, people who want to start a venue, what, what kind of mistakes do you see them make? Um, so let's see. I, I mean the one mistake I kind of touched on is not looking into what's, uh, what's allowed in your area. Um, I think a second one, and this is maybe, um, there's two other things that I, that I'm thinking of, but a second thing would be, um, that once you start the venue, kind of just assuming that people will just start booking your venue, uh, because it's there. And mm-hmm. that's definitely not, um, I mean, that's, that can happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to need to know how to get the word out and get the right uh, couples booking. And um, again, true for any any business. Um, but that's kind of the second mistake. And I think people kind of, a lot of people are not in the wedding industry prior to going into starting a venue. So they don't understand that, that gap to reaching couples. Um, mm-hmm. And so what they do is they pay for typical advertising. Not that there's anything wrong with that but um but you spend money that maybe you don't need to spend to reach people that you could reach in other ways sure um and they go down the conventional route of paying to be on all the you know all the different conventional avenues websites and magazines and stuff which again that's not there's not necessarily anything wrong with that but i don't think that's the when you're starting a a business like this it's there's a big capex factor and so you don't want to uh take all this money that you're already spending to start the business and then have all this you know, all this other funds for your, your marketing that, uh, could be spent more efficiently, I guess sure. you could say. Um, Every dollar counts so that's when the you start one thing. business. And that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, so yeah, and that's kind of, that, that was our strategy marketing wise was not to, uh, to spend as little as we could on marketing still is our, our strategy to this day. Um, it's, been more relationally based and social media based, of course. Um, and, uh, but anyway, the, and then the other mistake that I, I feel like people make is, um, and again, this is in any business, but assuming that it's going to be easy, um, kind of like seeing what other venues do. You know, if you go to a big venue in your area and just be like, Oh, I could do this. Um, and don't get me wrong because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm proof that you definitely can but it's not going to be like oh we just build this thing and it's easy and there's not going to be problems and it's going to be successful right away um it may be successful right away but there's a lot of work that's going to go into it and Mm -hmm. so i think people kind of falsely assuming that you're just gonna build this thing and it's just gonna be an easy just gonna just gonna work passive income generator 
Uh, yeah. And with, especially with having a physical location, there's things that are going to come up. Like you're going to have to make a repair, uh, to something. You're going to have to update uh, something and your, your vision for the property even, I think is always evolving. You're, you're get in the process of adding sweet cottages, uh, to big spring farm, which I yeah. think are just going to take it to uh, the venue to a whole new level, um, which is awesome. But uh, shifting to talking about marketing again, you had mentioned that building uh, good relationships with other vendors was one of the keys to uh, Big Springs uh, success and, and getting uh, to the point where you were booking yeah. clients consistently. How did you go about building such good relationships with vendors? Because I got to imagine that uh, other vendors or vendors now want to come work with you guys. Whereas, you know, um, when you were just getting started, right. they had no, no idea who you were or what that experience was going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's a great question. Um, so I guess I, I already touched on, on the fact that we didn't go, uh, we didn't spend money on the typical marketing routes. Um, uh, honestly at first just out of necessity cause we didn't have a bunch of extra cash to be throwing the, that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for us, we were already in the wedding industry, so we had some existing relationships with people. Um, but I would say, Hey, if you're if you're completely new to the wedding industry, um, there are a lot of great ways to meet other ven- other vendors, um, get to know them, and then uh, basically get people working at your property. Um, for us, we were just you know at first we were just super proactive. We'd reach out to people. Um, you know, there was uh, we'd reach out to as I mentioned planners. We'd reach out to photographers. We'd coordinate styled shoots. You know. Um, now people reach out to us to coordinate that kind of stuff, which is great, uh, because they want to work here. But, um, early on it was kind of just, um, uh, you know, pounding the pavement and <laughs> getting out and meeting people and inviting them to be here. Cause that the biggest thing we realized was, um, especially starting out, there's the more people you have work, working there that you want to work there, um, the better, the more as each event that you have, um, is its own marketing campaign. Cause you mm-hmm. figure, you know, the average attendance of a wedding at, at the farm is going to be 130, 150 guests, something like that. So all of those guests, if they have a great experience, walk away as ambassadors for your property saying, Hey, this was, you know, this place is awesome. You know, their, their niece gets engaged or whatever. And, and they tell them, Hey, you got to check out big spring. Um, that's, that's kind of how we did that. And then the way we were do, able to do able to do that was by being personally involved. You know, I was at, I still am at most events at the farm. Um, but those first few years I was at every single event. I did every single, um, initial visit with a couple, every single final walkthrough before their wedding. So I personally got to know all of them. And that's something uh, I'm still involved with all of that stuff so that I personally get to know each couple. Um, and I think that helped, uh, help grow the venue because it's not, it wasn't our tip or wasn't your typical, um, I say typical, there's not all venues like this, but a lot of venues are kind of just rolling through, you know, and yeah. you're meeting with their coordinator and you're, you, I think people get the sense that they're, um, they're just another event kind of thing. And I don't yeah. think that's, uh, of course it's not on purpose by the venue, but you know, for us, it's a very, uh, we don't, tr- we're not trying to do a hundred weddings a year. You know, we're, we're not trying to burn through a ton of events. We love that each event's unique. We love that we get to know each couple personally. And I think that served us well 
uh, because couples, vendors, they all go away saying, oh, we love working at Big Spring um, or, you know, or we loved our wedding at Big Spring. And then that's that's been probably the one of the best ways that we've grown the venue. Yeah, and I bet the fact that you do every single uh, venue walkthrough, you know, from the get-go, goes a, goes a really long way with people. And there's there's no one that's going to care as much about the venue as you and Jill, right? I mean, if you were to outsource that, right, their right. their 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 skin's not nearly as in the game as uh, as you guys. So just being there, I'm sure right. I'm Absolutely. sure that sends a message not only to the couple, like, hey, I know I don't know some manager or some coordinator who's here every other Saturday. I know the owner, you know, and same thing with, um, with right. other planners and, um, and vendors in the area, they know like, Hey, you care about this property. So what are the, what are some of the things that you do behind the scenes just to make sure that they, people have the best, uh, experience possible? Um, so some of the little things behind the scenes that are, uh, kind of unique to big spring are we have staff on property for an event that, that, um, do things that are like non-typical for a venue to do for the most part. Like, like um, our staff still, we still set up the ceremony site. I was just doing a walkthrough this morning with a couple talking about this. Um, so we set up your ceremony site, which means, you know, uh, if you have, for instance, at a venue where there's any number of different caterers coming through and they're setting up all the chairs for the ceremony and they're setting up the interior layout, there's not necessarily like a level of consistency on how that's going to look. And mm-hmm. Jill and I knew from photographing weddings, uh, I know you and you and Kristen know this, Dave, you go out to shoot a ceremony site occasionally and like the chairs are not in a straight row, you know, they're a little crooked or whatever and uh, or, or something's not quite right and you have to actually adjust it before you take a picture. So uh, that's a little thing that we do is our staff is involved with all kinds of little stuff like setting up the ceremony site. Um, we're involved with setting up a layout inside the barn. Um, we've got guys that literally just walk around the venue during an event, um, you know, dressed dressed uh, you know in uh, event attire, and they're just making sure everything's staying tidy throughout the event. Everything's staying um, neat. They're making sure guests are having a good time. They know where to place, you know, where things are. They know where to park. They know where to, you know, where the ceremony is. Um, little things like that, that that attention to detail. I think. Um, are communicated either consciously or subconsciously to uh, both vendors and guests involved with the day. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> so for everybody listening out there who works with venues, what can people, because I know you've worked with uh, some vendors um, in the past that let's just say they, they don't, you know, they don't make the cut anymore as far as uh, vendors that you're willing to work with, right? They're not on the list. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. not they're not on the list anymore. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a good thing, especially if you, um, if, you know, if you're in the wedding industry, for instance, um, you want to be on a venue's list. You certainly don't want to be on any list that, that would prevent you from working at that venue. So what are some things that people can do right. to serve the venue well? And you, I, you know, and I... I would I would say that you probably agree that it's not all about going you know way out of your way for the for the venue owner. But what are some what oh, are yeah. some things that people can do to serve the venue well to build that relationship with either a venue coordinator or, or the owner of a venue so that not only are they welcome mm-hmm. back, but you know when you're doing a uh, venue walkthrough, they're one of the first people that you would recommend uh, in that in their category. Right. Yeah, um, I would say uh, one thing would be uh, 
pre, you know, pre-event, just being very communicative in terms of like, uh, just communicating quickly. If we have a question for a vendor, you know, if we need to see their certificate of insurance to know that their business is insured, little things like that, just getting back to us um, quickly helps us because, you know, we've got tons of events and tons of vendors that we're trying to coordinate for each, uh, you know, each weekend. And, um, if it if you have, if we have to chase you down to get information from you mm-hmm. on on you what your service you're providing your business we're just not going to want to have to deal with that on a weekly basis um, sure so that's one really easy one for people to to do and then I would say during the event um, being consistent with your uh, with your service so whether you're a caterer or a planner or a photographer or a florist um, all the people on our preferred list are very consistent. So that I feel confident that like, hey, if you hire this caterer or if you hire, um, you know, this photographer, they're going to deliver. We don't have to worry about, oh, you know, they didn't they didn't bring the right appetizers or yeah. whatever, you know. Um, yeah. They're very consistent with the level of service. Um, so that's another one for us. And then after the event, like you said, it's not like you have to go um, uh, like you don't have to bend over backwards. Uh, at least I don't think you need to. But um, but especially for photographers following up with the gallery of the images you took from that day, maybe having um, even like a sub gallery that are like, hey, here's some venue favorites that you might use in any of your promotional material, but making that available to us. um, And most photographers do that. All the ones on our list do that. um, And it's great because we can then have the symbiotic relationship where, where, you know, they're going to put a post, you know, on Instagram or Facebook of a great shot from the day and tag us and vice versa. We'll do the same. And we'll blog about that wedding and, mm-hmm. and link them. And, you know, it, it, uh, it helps, it helps both, both parties. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's something that I'm a big believer in. And I, and I go to battle with some people about this is, you know, when it comes to things like watermarks and then making uh, other vendors pay for images, I just think <laughs> that the return on oh, investment yeah. that you're going to get by just giving your images to the venue so that they can blog about it and share about it is going to be so much greater than if you make that that uh, venue pay x amount of money to use uh you know their images on the website because i know when you guys blog um somebody else's images you're always going to link back to their site and so not only is that great for oh, yeah. referral traffic but that's great from an seo perspective too so one thing i'm a big yeah. believer in is Send your images over to other vendors and venues. Let them use your, yeah. your images. Don't slap these massive watermarks on them that uh, that make them almost unusable yeah. on somebody else's uh, blog. So I'm glad I'm glad that you yeah, mentioned absolutely. that. Absolutely. And those are all pretty normal things, but I, I'm, it's probably surprising the amount of people that uh, don't do that. You know, don't deliver a consistent service, yeah. or you know, do something. Um, you know, I imagine that cleaning up after yourself is one of those things. Probably not so much for a photographer, but for a caterer. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just things that. Yeah. Or um, a florist that they come in and all of a sudden the venue becomes their mobile flower shop. And then that's, you know, sometimes that's the way things have to be. But then if they don't clean up, it's like, well, what was the plan here? Yeah. <laughs> I guess and we'll clean you know, that, that, that would be a great, I, I think that'd be a great blog post from you that I would love to see, which would be just like it, listing kind of each kind of vendor that you work with and then the ways yeah. in which, or, or mistakes not to make, you know, um, that <laughs> yeah. would be, I, you know, it's I a just, great idea. I'll have to be careful not to call too many people out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but I think that I mean I think that kind of stuff would go a long way, especially for people who are just getting started. Yeah. That you know these relationships. I mean, this is how this is how you're going to build your business, and it's going to take a lot longer to build your business um, if you start off with poor relationships um, with people. Yeah. So. Yeah, and something you know, I always I always think is um, you know that we knew from day one, but that we still with every wedding, every event here today. Uh, that we, that we, our whole team, we all talk about it beforehand and throughout the whole process with a couple, we're always thinking this is one, this is their one day. So Mm -hmm. this is their one wedding day. And you know, what we do to make this uh, a dream come true for them is it matters. You know, we have to really focus and little mistakes, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, we try to hold ourselves to really high standard because, and we, and the same goes for our vendors because uh, it is just one day. And you know, early on, especially if you if you only have five or ten weddings your first year, and one of those you completely mess up, and you uh, especially as a venue, I mean, my goodness, that's that could uh, that could kill your whole business before it even starts. So you have to be really attentive. That's why I was at every event to make sure um, things went a certain way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, that makes total sense. And and the thing is that uh, during this 45-minute interview here, we're not able to cover absolutely every in and out of starting a, a venue. And I'm sure that somebody who is interested in starting a venue might have some questions that we didn't cover in today's uh, interview. So where can people go uh, to follow along with Big Spring Farm, but then also to find some of these resources that you've created for other people who are trying to start a venue? Um, yeah, so to follow along with Big Spring, you can go to bigspringva.com and um, our handle on Instagram's Big Spring VA as well. Um, and then if you're interested in starting a venue, if you think if it's a dream you've had that you think, man, I wonder if this will ever become a reality, if you just want to learn more, um, you can go to thevenuehelper.com. And there's a bunch of free resources there for you to check out um, and kind of just get you started with defining your vision um, and uh, looking into logistics and then everything from that to improving your vendor relations, uh, improving uh, client experience. Um, So, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Well, uh, I encourage anybody who's uh, interested in starting a venue uh, to go check out that resource. And uh, buddy, I think at some point we'll have to have a, a second interview just about kind of a agrarian lifestyle, you know, because I think that's something that uh, yes. that we share in common is just kind of um, wanting to live, uh, you know, that kind of life. Um, and, you know, if you've never seen Big Spring uh, Farm before, you should at least go on their website and check out uh, some of the um, some of the pictures of the farm because it is, uh, I think, one of the most beautiful places uh, in the world. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Uh, I really enjoyed it and hope to be back. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Brandset Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantCrista.com.